People are capable of the most incredible feats. I believe every single one of you has a wealth of untapped potential, and within the episodes of this podcast, you'll hear stories of people tapping into theirs. My wish is that you rethink, rediscover, and re-evolve what's been inside of you all along. It is said that you die two times. The first is when you take your final breath, the inevitable flatline, and you lapse into the great unknown. But the second time is the last time your name is spoken. How you choose to live your life and who you decide to become determines the time between those two deaths. It is time to step up. The possibilities are endless. You are worthy and you are limitless. Hey guys, welcome back to this episode of The Limitless Podcast. Randy Ignacio is a tennis coach and entrepreneur based in one of my favorite places in the world, which we are just talking about, California. (laughs) He's an incredible self-taught photographer. He's a founder and lead creative director of Rivas Photo and Film. And that's something that began as a hobby passion, but evolved into a real feasible and profitable business venture for himself. Aside from his work and entrepreneurial endeavors, Randy has a real passion for helping others and creating a large and lasting impact in not just those he meets, but the community around him as well. So Randy, brother, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for that uh, polite, generous introduction there. No worries, man. You live up to it. So I'd love to hear a wee bit about really your background, your journey towards entrepreneurship, you know, finding or discovering photography as a passion of yours, and really the mindset about that journey within yourself and through your relationship, and really getting to that point now where I know that you really, really love what you do, but I know that that wasn't an easy journey to get there, and there's so much value in this story. So let's hear it. Absolutely. So from, from the beginning, huh? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, I guess to understand where I'm at, um, it helps understand kind of my upbringing and where I came from. Um, I was born in Orange County. My parents are immigrants from the Philippines, and they definitely had a different mindset. You know, it's uh, essentially a third world country. So when they moved over here, their idea of success was a little different from the current generation. And yeah. they were always taught to work hard, to get a job, you know, to put in your time. So growing up, they basically told me to, you know, go to school, get really good grades <laughs> so that I could go to college, um, like a UC or an Ivy League and become something prestigious, like a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, something that had a high paycheck and, you know, a lot of prestige in the community. Yeah. So essentially that was all I had in my head until I was about 18. Wow. So I would go to school and, you know, try really hard in the books um, and I was okay in school, but that's only because I loved to play tennis. Yep. And if I didn't get close to a 4.0 GPA, they wouldn't allow me to play. Wow. So, so, so that's the only reason I did really good. Not because, you know, I was into school, but because I loved playing sports and yep. tennis was the main sport and I was pretty good at it. So I didn't want to, you know miss out on it and <laughs> you I, had a compelling reason to do well <laughs> yeah they they know they knew my why it's like they could make me do anything they wanted because i i love tennis so much <laughs> and, um, you know I, I did okay i think i got like a 3.75 or 3.8 or something 
Yeah. And um, I was able to get into UC Irvine, which is, you know, a pretty good school. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was so, so miserable going to school because in the back of my mind, every, every day I would think, why am I even here? I don't know what I want to do with my life. Yeah. I don't know how these classes are going to help me mm-hmm. um, find out what I want. And, you know, I'm using my parents' money to go here and it's kind of like a waste of time. So I was just so miserable in my college years, not knowing what I wanted to do. What were you um, studying? I was first studying biology because not knowing what I wanted, I just thought, okay, I might as well try to be like a doctor or a nurse. Yeah, but I, I didn't last my first year. I, I dropped out after my <laughs> first year just because I was just like, uh, I'm not doing what I what I enjoy, and I just can't can't stand it. Yeah. So after that, um, I dropped out, and I spent like an odd couple years just going from different jobs, trying to like see where I fit in, and I just really couldn't find something I loved. You know, I was a delivery person. I would deliver packages. Um, I would work at a restaurant as a waiter. And I actually enjoyed that mainly because I love people. Yep. But nothing really stuck, um, stuck around for too long except for coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love to coach tennis. So I coached at a local high school. And I coached there for six or seven years, the boys and girls varsity head coach. Nice. And I just enjoyed it. You know, I loved contributing to people. I loved building relationships and seeing a change in others. Mm-hmm. And um, I was good at it. So I just I stuck with it. And um, after about seven years, I realized, okay, well, you know, what's next? I can't make a living just coaching high school tennis because it was infrequent. The hours weren't enough. Um, so I started coaching at country clubs and doing more private lessons um, and still, I still didn't find that like ultimate fulfillment, I suppose you could say, yeah. um, because I was working with someone else's schedule. Um, and through good fortune, I guess, um, I lost my job there because my boss didn't get his contract renewed. So essentially he lost his business and I was on my own. And, um, since I had been coaching almost 10 years, I decided, Hey, I could do this. Yeah. I see what my, my boss does. And it's not anything I can't do. Um, so I went to the city of Downey where I'm currently located and I started my own company there. So now I'm the head coach in the city of Downey. I run their whole tennis program and I've been doing that for the past three years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I got my, my, like that's my first business, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I only coach tennis in the afternoons, uh, you know, from like 4 PM to 9 PM, I had all this free time, which is nice. But yeah. you know, after a while, I just can't feel good about myself. Not being <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just thinking, man, I am such a lazy bum. I need to do something. <laughs> yeah. And in my free time, I would go hiking all the time. Awesome. I would take my phone, you know, I would just take pictures of the landscapes and take pictures of my friends while we were on our hikes. And I was like, wow, I really enjoy this, um, taking pictures. And, you know, that's when Instagram was starting to get really big. And I would see all these like world-class photographers taking pictures of places that I've been to. And then the pictures just look so, so much better. (laughs) How is it such a big difference? You know, I just had my little iPhone at the time. And, um, I would see my pictures 
I put mine right next to theirs and I was just like, what the heck? How, how did you <laughs> it? Yeah. Um, and that started me on my photography journey, you know, going on YouTube, learning how to take a better picture. So I, I, I bought like a, my first camera and watched more tutorials and it just kind of grew from there. Like, cause I just, I loved it so much that I just wanted to learn on my own. You know, I had no intention of starting a business from it. I had no intention of doing it as a career, but it just turned out that I loved it so much. And, um, I just got better and better and people started to take notice eventually. Um, yeah. So that's actually such a good example of what I was talking about with my friend Steph and the episode I was just recording earlier before this one about how people have this perception that you're like, have this overnight epiphany and you're like, Oh my God, I figured out what I want to do with my life. But really finding passions or, or coming back to passions is really about just building things that bring you joy. And then you become passionate about it further down the track. And that's such a good example of that because, you know, when you first started looking into photography, it was just something that brought you joy. It wasn't something that you were like, I want to take this and make a business. And I think that's a perception that most people have about, starting in an entrepreneurial endeavor or a business endeavor or even just finding a passion is that they have to have discovered something that's like crazy epiphany that they just know this is what they're supposed to be doing, but it's not really that way. So thanks for that example. Ironically, actually, um, I did have moments like that though. So can I share the story? Yes, please. Um, So about two years ago, I was coaching tennis and I was doing okay. And my tennis business was my main source of income at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I was working part-time as a personal trainer in the mornings. Like I said, I had a lot of free time <laughs> uh, <so laughs> I was at, a, at a local gym. And um, I had started dating my girlfriend, my current girlfriend, Lily. And I told her like, yeah, the gym isn't very fulfilling. And um, I want to do something different, like possibly photography. Yeah. And this is um, like around December, so almost New Year's. And um, I was just thinking like, man, I don't know what I want to do aside from tennis. I want to do something I love. Um, I know that much, but I just didn't know how to monetize it or make a living from it. Yeah. And for a good couple of weeks, you know, I would listen to podcasts like Tim Ferriss. I would read books from Tony Robbins. And I would just get me thinking, you know, cause they're really good at asking questions. Yes. And they were like, you know, what would you do if you had to do it the rest of your life? Uh-huh. I was like, well, I would love to do photography for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but I guess diving, you know, it's going to transition into our main topic later. Like I don't feel like I'm good enough. How do I do it? There's so many amazing photographers and how will I charge people and all that. So all these yeah. limiting beliefs, were in the way. Um, but one day I was like, you know what? I really would love to a do photography and B talk to business owners because I really enjoy the depth of the conversation. It's very meaningful. I love people who are trying to make a difference in the world and in others lives. And I just love to combine those two. And I did have my epiphany, like, why don't I do videography? I could tell people's story better. Um, it's basically photography that's moving and, you know, I can build a business with my friends that have, you know, businesses like yours and I would just love doing that for the next 40 or 50 years. And I was just like, 
whoa, I'll figure this out because that would be amazing to live a life that I'm contributing to the world and doing what I love and making a living off of that. That would just be the dream. So that's so um, cool. Yeah. And so I guess Lily has been super supportive of your journey through the whole time. How important do you think that was to your, your growth into heading into photography as a business that you had someone there that had your back and was encouraging you along? Oh, it was absolutely essential for me mm-hmm. um, because of my, just my limiting beliefs at first, I was kind of gripped by fear and I let it stop me yep. a lot. And one day before Christmas, we had a conversation. I was telling her, yeah, I don't want to work at the gym anymore. I want to do photography. And I'm just, honestly, I'm afraid that I won't be able to sustain myself or that you might leave me if I'm a bum and I'm not making anything. <laughs> I'm a broke artist, you know, yeah. heart to heart. And she was um, in, in PA school at the time. She's a physician assistant. And um, I was telling her that, Hey, you know, um, will you leave me if, if, uh, if I'm not very good at this? And she's like, you know what? Um, I, I see a future with us and I don't want you to do something you're miserable at, you know, it's going to be something you're going to do for the rest of your life. You should love it. Amazing. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then, you know, she, she said, I'll support you, um, you know, through, through the journey. And I was like relieved. (laughs) Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I found someone that would support me and would just, you know, be okay with me doing what I loved. Yep. And that was so, so helpful because that really relieved one of my big fears of like, what if I don't make it? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And, and for people listening, it doesn't have to be your, you know, your significant other or your partner. You just need to anchor yourself to someone who believes in your vision as much as you do. And you can find those people anywhere. So, yeah. And one of the, best questions that was very liberating for me was from Tim Ferriss. He said, Hey, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, imagine the worst case scenario. And is that something that you could live with? Yeah. So I had to think to myself, well, what's the worst case scenario? Okay. For six months, I don't pick up clients. um, (laughs) And I'm still going to be fine because I have my tennis business. So all my bills are still taken care of. (laughs) Worst case people don't like my pictures and yep. can I live that? Yeah. It's like, that's the worst case. Lily's not going to leave me. My house isn't going to burn down and I'm not going to be on the street destitute. You know, that's not realistic. Yep. Um, the worst case I could always find a job because, you know, I have skills and you know, I'm, I know how to stay afloat. <laughs> so yeah, worst case, um, I'll be fine. And it is quite I, liberating. Eh? When, when you really, come to realize that worst case is no way near as bad as you, you're really building it up in your head. (laughs) Yeah. Worst case I'll be, I'll still be fine and it's worth doing something I love for the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. One thing I do really want to know is how did the conversation or how did the period of time go down with your parents back when you made the decision to drop out of school when (laughs) they had this perception the whole time, that, you know, a prestigious career was the only way to go? Oh, it was devastating for them, Uh, especially my mom. And that was some rough times Uh, just because, you know, their whole life they're working really hard and they love me and they're working to save money for me to go to college and to hear that I wouldn't want to go to college. 
you know, it was definitely devastating. I'm sure they were afraid that, oh my gosh, is my son going to be okay? <laughs> yeah. Is he an idiot? He's, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have a college degree. Is he going to be able to sustain himself? Like he's not going to be, he's going to be, you know, um, a minimum wage worker at like a fast food joint. <laughs> I'm sure that's like one of their fears. Yep. And um, it was really tough during that time because one, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And two, it's like my parents are afraid that I'm not going to be <laughs> taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, you know, I was just dead set on, I know that this isn't what I want and I'm willing to take the risk and go through this inner struggle to find out what I really love. Um, so now like that, <laughs> now that I have my tennis program going and my photography business going and uh, I'm, you know, in my own place, uh, they're totally fine with it now. <laughs> awesome. Good. <laughs> I'm glad they came around. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, um, I don't know if it's for everybody. It's kind of a tough inner challenge and yeah. uh, you do a lot of personal growth. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, start to rely on your own inner strength and mm-hmm. not a, a big piece is you have to be okay that like, hold on, let me, let me phrase this as best I can. Like, um, you need to totally accept it yourself first and not need the acceptance of others because Good. if you have to do it when everyone says, Hey, you should do it, then, you know, it's not necessarily going to work out. Yeah. Um, sure. so if you're 100% okay with it, then you don't need the approval. You don't need approval from other people is, is the, is the key that's thing. A, that's good. That's good. So bringing it back to your journey, um, you said that one thing was, that was a big struggle or a significant uh, barrier for you to overcome was really the belief that either you or your work was not good enough. And I think you're probably a really effective coach in tennis as well, because you probably have students who think the same thing with their tennis game or with their personality that you're now able to help them through as well. Um, How was your journey through that and understanding that you really were enough coming from that standpoint that you had so much fear that you just didn't think that people would like your work. They wouldn't like your photography. And how did you work through that? That's a great question. Um, with sports, I've been playing it all my life and I don't know if you play sports, you probably do. You're a a yoked dude. (laughs) I've played many different kinds, mastered none. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, when people play sports, they don't really think oh, I'm not good enough. Uh, well, I, you know, for the most part, they just they they just play it, yeah. and they just realize, yes, of course, there's going to be people better than you. You're just starting, you know. You're not comparing yourself to like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you're comparing yourself to, hey, I need to improve, and I just need to learn this one skill today. And you know that inherently, it's a journey in sports that you're just going to play because you love it. And Mm -hmm. yes, you're going to compete, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but that's just part of the process and the journey. But in business, sometimes people don't apply that same mindset. They just think maybe they it's, you know, business is cutthroat or it's a battleground. Um, Yeah. And maybe in some cases that might be true, but for myself, my mindset is like, what was, what served me really well is, Hey, you know, this is a journey and I'm not going to compare myself to world-class photographers and filmmakers. Um, I'm just going to do it because I love it. And I'm just going to try to focus on little steps, baby steps, you know, learn the next skill, learn, okay, how do I edit this video? And 
I just had to think of what Eleanor Roosevelt said, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And mm-hmm. instead, of, yeah, instead of using these world-class individuals and compare myself and make myself feel really shitty, I'm going to learn from them and just think, wow, you know, I could be like that in 10 years, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I have that to look forward to. So one is taking baby steps, you know, just realizing I'm on my own journey and I'm just going to improve a little bit today. And two is uh, just not compare myself. Um, just use those people as role models. But, um, you know, honestly, that fear for me doesn't always go away, but, you know, I can kind of mitigate it by taking those baby steps. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing with fears is that you don't really overcome fears to a point where they don't show up in your life anymore. You just learn why it might not be true or how to handle it within yourself. Yeah. Speaking to that, one of the best, I guess, mindsets I had was one, of course, you're doing it to serve others. It's really not about you. Yeah. But two, um, you could practice something called micro courage. And this was from um, a podcast, Tim Ferriss, I believe. And he was interviewing someone. It says, you don't have big, gigantic acts of bravery um, that, you know, make or break your life. You do a lot of little things every day mm-hmm. that can, you know, where you're just a little afraid to talk to that one person. And then a micro act of bravery would be just, just say hi yep. and see how it goes, you know? Um, so I try to do that every day where I don't, if I get overwhelmed, I just try to take little, little steps at a time because fear is only, you know, present when people aren't doing anything and something along the lines of, idle hands or the hands of the devil, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. something to that effect. And, you know, when I just take little action steps, it makes me feel like, okay, it's possible. I just got to keep taking these baby steps, keep taking these little actions and these little muscles of bravery, you know, just practice my bravery and my courage. Um, and I'm able to tackle these big things from these little steps. Amazing. And what are some of the learning curves that you've discovered yourself along the way? For photography or for mindset? Both. Oh, okay. Um, Learning curves. Well, I guess in terms of photography and videography, when I first started, um, like I said, I just loved it so much. (laughs) I just wanted to read everything and watch all the YouTube videos and just go shooting all the time. So at the very beginning... I just learned really quickly because I would do it so often. Like every weekend I would go hiking and take pictures and I'd invite my friend photographers that were, you know, more knowledgeable. Yeah. I would just get brains all the time. Um, and then the way it turned into like a wedding event photography business, I would take portraits of my friends in these national parks and hikes. And, um, you know, it transitioned from the landscape yep. to the person. So when people started asking me, asking me to take pictures of them and their families or their, you know, events like weddings, I would be like, um, say yes and figure it out. So I'd be petrified. I would just be like, I don't know how to take pictures. I, I don't know how to make you look good. Um, but, you know, I would just be telling myself, you'll figure it out. You yeah. got this. You know, it's just my inner dialogue. So I would say yes. I would take their money. And then whenever this shoot was... From from that day till the shoot, I would look up all the videos I could possibly find on it and just learn as I went. So by the time I actually 
shot it, I would just like, okay, you know, I learned all the things I need to do to make this work. Um, so, so good. Yeah, it's almost, like a, almost like a force of inspiration, right? Because there's that, oh, yeah. de- that deadline. <laughs> yeah, the pressure is on, man. Like yeah. they're paying you like a grand or two grand to do their wedding and you don't want to F it up. <laughs> so, you know, I, I spent money on online classes to figure out how are these, you know, great photographers doing it. So I feel more comfortable, more prepared, more confident when it's game day. Yeah. And it's been working so far, you know, I think honestly, a lot of times people are their own worst critic and um, I see the things that I can improve on, but my clients don't necessarily see the same thing. They, they see the pictures and they're like in love with it. And I'll see how that little light beam is hitting their face incorrectly. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so others don't always notice your shortcomings, you know, only, Mm -hmm. only you do usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one that learning curve is, you know, love it at first. And I was just getting better and then say yes and figure it out. Um, And in terms of mindset, I guess it's an ongoing process. Yeah. You never, you never really stop. And there's always another bigger challenge out there. Um, you know, there's always another mountain to climb. So I never feel like I, I've arrived. I just feel like, Oh, here's my next goal. And boy, do I have to learn to, to hit this next one? So I, I guess there's no learning curve. It's just an ongoing thing. That's awesome. So regardless of it being photography or something else, um, if someone had this thing that they're, they're pursuing and they really, really, really love it and they wanted to start even just testing the thought of it becoming something that they can make into a business for themselves, what would you start looking at there? The, well, for me, I'm really big on living a life that's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. That is one of my main purposes to help others live a more fulfilling life and do things that they love and follow their passion, yeah. not follow their pension. <laughs> ah, nice. And um, I would just say, hey, do you actually enjoy what you're doing? And can you see yourself enjoying it? Because, you know, are you really going to spend the next 30, 40 years doing something you hate? Yeah. And if the answer, you know, it, it's inward, inward searching, like, can you find fulfillment from it first? Mm-hmm. So that, I guess that's the first thing. And if the answer is yes, there's for sure a way to monetize it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're the best at something and there's at least a little bit of need and demand for it, you could find a way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, like one interesting thing that people always have this assumption of people who have created successful businesses um, is that they don't really struggle with those negative thoughts or that they're limiting beliefs anymore. But the reality is that they're always there. They're just something that we're constantly working through. Like you said, it's not like a destination you arrive at. It's just the next evolution or the next step. Um, what would be some of your fears or limiting beliefs that you have at the moment and how are you working through those? You know, um, that little statement it actually reminded me of a story or like a saying with firefighters i'm sorry you can't hear my dog can you no (laughs) oh okay she's she's playing with her toy sorry um back to firefighters um there is something along the quotes that said fear is not our courage is not the absence of fear 
it's just a realization that there's something more important. Mm-hmm. So when these firefighters are running into burning buildings, of course they're scared. Fuck you know, yeah. Their lives are on the line. Yeah. But there's a realization that, hey, there's other people that might die if I don't do something. So they're going to run in anyways. Yep. And um, same with business. It's not that I'm not afraid. And honestly, it's, it's always there. And that, it's actually a good thing because if you have fear, that means you have an opportunity to grow. Yep. Right. You don't have fear when you're used to something, but if you're in uncomfortable territory and you have fear, hey, you have a chance to learn something and overcome that fear and practice bravery or courage. Um, so talking to new people and business owners, I'm mm-hmm. working on um, my website for corporate work, um, you know, just to do videography for um, other businesses, business to business. Awesome. Uh, so right now I have a good friend, Scott, he's helping me with a website. Yeah. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I know it's a numbers game, but I hate to talk to people and, and hear the no. Yeah. And my, my, my dumb fear is that, hey, if I talk to them, they'll be annoyed with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, you know, one, that's part of the process. And two, they won't necessarily be annoyed if I'm like charming and, and whatnot. It's just a matter of timing. It's not a personal reflection of me. It's just they don't need the service that I provide at the moment. So I have to really remind myself that it's not a personal thing. It's just yes. not the right time for them, whatever the reason. It's it's not necessarily that I'm a bad person or something. Yeah, I think that's a, a big one when it comes to service-based businesses, right? Not necessarily a product, but you're delivering a service and... I think quite a few people, especially in the early stages of their journey, can really take on other people's stuff as their own. Like companies not wanting to do your, you know, have, have you as a videographer for a project doesn't mean that you're not a good photographer. But so many people take those stories on that actually they're saying no to me because they think I'm bad. They think I'm not a good photographer. They think I'm, you know, not worthy of this job. They don't want to pay me. I'm not good enough for that. But really, it's just, like you said, timing. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think of it like a restaurant. Like, I love to go out and eat. Um, if I drive by a restaurant and I don't pull in, it's not a reflection on the business owner. It's just yep. I'm in the mood for tacos and not in the mood for burgers uh-huh. or whatever reason. It's just not that right time. But when I feel like I'm in the mood for tacos, well, hey, I'm going to give that restaurant a try. And, yep. um you know, it's not a reflection on the chef or the owner. It's just timing. Exactly. So what are the, what are some of the things you're obsessed with on your journey at the moment? Like in photography, what are you learning about at the moment? Or what, do you, what skill are you trying to develop the, the most or the quickest right now? Actually, it's in terms of photography and videography, it's more so along the lines of, well, I have two. One is on the marketing side. Because um, mm-hmm. for photography and videography, I practice so much that I feel like my craft is is to a point where you know it's it's pretty good. I feel really confident, it's and you know I'm focusing more on the business side, yeah. um, and how to connect with people, how to market myself, and you can have a great product, but if no one knows about it, it's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. So I feel like I'm practicing how to get myself out there more, how to connect with other you know, individuals that need what or want what I have. And, um, I'm learning that I'm, I'm like very, very 
um, there's a online tool called creative life and they just have, you know, online educational classes for artists, photographers, designers. So I'm going through courses like that. Um, and the other thing I'm working on is ironically how to design an online course. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it's just like this online course that I bought and it's teaching me how to build an online course. So <laughs> I can do tennis as well as, you know, other future skills like photography. But um, that's what I'm really putting my time into at the moment. That's really cool. Um, so what is it like um, really being, because the cool thing about um, you with your relationship with Lily is that your whole entrepreneurship journey has really been alongside being in a relationship with her and growing in that relationship with someone who has a more normal career that's more structured and as as a, is an employee, um, and I know lots of couples really struggle with that exchange between one person has you know one one way of earning money, another person has the other. Have you guys had any conflicts around you know the way that you earn money and because entrepreneurship can be so sporadic, or has it always been just an easy thing to work through? Um, I mean, it's definitely challenging at certain points, but for us, we have a very strong relationship in the sense we communicate all yep. the time, every day. Awesome. And we both do personal development and personal growth. She listens to a lot of self-development audio, and so do I. So we're both strong enough individuals to kind of lay out our expectations, work through our problems, communicate in a loving way. Mm -hmm. and just work work it out you know it's not like the problems will ever go away it's just we figure out solutions to them and we grow bigger than our problems um and we keep each other accountable uh, more her keeping me accountable <laughs> yeah because for her it's just clock in clock out and get your paycheck and yeah if it's not a it's not about the time i put in it's about how productive i am uh -huh. so i just tell her okay i'm going to talk to these people we get 10 appointments, you know, in this time frame, yep. and she keeps me to it. So it's, it's a blessing to have her. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that when we first started, I was looking for someone that was working on themselves, not yep. because I wanted them to, but because they wanted to. So yep. um, I just picked someone that aligns with, you know, the future that I want. Mm -hmm. That's so important, the communication. That's, that's exactly it. So where do you see yourself developing uh, within your business and within your own personal growth over the next couple of years? Like where, where do you really see yourself heading with this? Well, um, one, my main goal is to systemize my tennis program so that I have coaches there um, teaching the classes whether I want to or not. So that's one um is i i still want to be involved with tennis yeah and you know coaching less hours on the court but just do more of a training and developmental type of position yeah um, and in terms of my photography and videography um i want to work a lot more on corporate work so helping other businesses grow 
helping them tell their stories, mm-hmm. um, personal brands, just working with other entrepreneurs that don't just want to make a buck, but yeah. they want to make a difference an in the world nice. and in others' lives. You know, so I, I want to just do more of what I'm doing right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I absolutely love what I do, and I just wish I could work. I, it's weird to it's weird to say this, but I wish I could work like 20 hours a day, seven days a week, just doing more videos because I love it that much. Like when I'm at a wedding, a 12 hour day is no problem. Like, a flesh. Yeah, it, it just goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I wish I could do weddings every day, honestly, because um, you know there's so much joy and it's mm-hmm. people like you know um, in love and and I get to do what I love. And I get to eat and celebrate. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> yeah. And um, with even with entrepreneurs, just the challenge is such a nice, like, I love the stimulation of, okay, how do we tell their story? How do we make their business grow? How do we connect with people? And how do we make them look, you know, authentic and beautiful? And just, I, I love it. Like, I wish I could do it every day. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess where I see myself just doing more what I'm doing more of what I'm currently doing, um, but just being booked more frequently. <laughs> yeah, there's a good place to be, man. Um, I want to know what's the funniest thing you've seen at a wedding. Funniest? Yeah. There's so many. It's like every <laughs> wedding has like these great activities and games, and it's hard to pick just one. I mean, I I, I remember the disasters more than the the. <laughs> the good parts okay i want to know what's what's the biggest disaster you've seen at a wedding <laughs> oh okay uh, i don't know because when i post this on my facebook um the the wedding the church had it booked okay so i was i was at this um friend's wedding uh well they're more like an acquaintance i was referred to them but um we got our itinerary and it said the ceremony at the church is at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So we went to their house at 11 and they had like a pre-lunch and they had a little ceremony there with family. And then we're eating lunch at 12 o'clock, right? And we're like, okay, we got, we got some time. Ceremony is not till one. Yep. And then the wedding planner comes in at 1220 and says, oh my God, everyone put your food down, get to the church right now. They thought that the ceremony is at noon so, oh, no. <laughs> so we were like, oh my God, are you serious? Well, half the guests didn't show up because they thought it was at one and the church had it at 12. So we booked it to the church. We got there like at 1230 and then they just kind of was, were a little rushed. They were just walking down the aisle and yeah, every, the bride was in tears. I just felt so bad oh, no. and was, you know, on my business's end, it was more of the church and the wedding planner had a miscommunication. Yeah. A major one, obviously. So half the guests didn't show up and the the bride was crying and I was just like, Oh my god, I feel so bad. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Did they end up having an enjoyable rest of the day though? Yeah, after that the rest of the day was fine. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, it's just one of those things that like <laughs> it only happens once if you do it properly. So you don't really want that to happen. <laughs> um, in terms of personal development, I know you're a, an absolute personal development junkie like I am. Um, who would be 
the main people that you'd refer people to? I know you've mentioned uh, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss. Would they be the, the main ones that if someone was really starting out with their mindset journey, you'd refer them to? Um, n- no, not Tim Ferriss. I would actually refer Gary Vaynerchuk, I think. Yep. Yep. Just what he's doing is a little more intense, and he really caters to the people that are starting out on their journey. Yes. Tim Ferriss is great, um, but I think it's maybe a little further along. Because um, he does a whole wide spectrum of topics, yeah. you know, world-class performers, not just entrepreneurs, but like scientists and authors and all that. So it's, it's great material. But if you're starting out, and definitely for mindset, Gary V and Tony Robbins yep. kick butt. Yep. I love Gary so much. Like, man, if I saw him, then I would just give him a hug. I'm like, you're so real. Yep. <laughs> so practical and authentic and just for sure like just spitting truth and you know he rubs people the wrong way a lot when they first see him because he's just so blunt but it's it's so raw and just it's really what people need to hear exactly and that's why it rubs them the wrong way because they know that it's the right thing but it's so confronting sometimes to get to that space where you're like damn i i am fucking up and i've got to make this better and he just says it in such a way i don't know how he does it that is so oh, like so to the point and so blunt yet so loving at the exact same time and you just i think he's so unique in that aspect i t- i totally agree and and i kind of i i know where he's coming from because he speaks with authority because he's done he's walked the path yeah he's living every day yeah and i feel when i coach tennis um it's a very i i feel like i have the same certainty mm-hmm. that same presence and the same like just i know that's exactly what it is yeah when i when i see my kids i'm like this is exactly what you need to do and you know i don't care if they really like it or not <laughs> and i say it in as it's loving just way the truth <laughs> yeah yes, so but tr- when, when i see gary i see that he is the real deal like regardless if we like him or not it's the truth and, you know, that's why he can deliver it because he is that living embodiment of what he's saying. So uh-huh. he's so credible yeah. <laughs> versus someone who has heard it and they're just regurgitating it, but they're yeah. not that person. So, you know, it's really more of who he is versus the, what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So earlier this year, um, you did this big trip around Europe and you guys saw so many amazing places and I've seen the pictures and they are insane. Um, <laughs> But I think you, like me, share this real passion for travel and adventure and experiencing cultures and meeting people. Um, what do you think the benefit is in that? Like, why do you love adventure so much? Is it just because it makes you feel alive? Or do you think you learn about yourself while you do it? What's your perspective on that? Well, I think there's just so many benefits from traveling. You know, one is you have new life experiences yep. and two, you get new perspectives on life because people live in their own bubble. Uh-huh. Oftentimes they, they're only seeing the same people, they're, you know, same circle of friends and same people at work. So they're not always exposed to different lifestyles. So when you go to other countries and you realize, wow, you know, I make, I make a hundred dollars. That's what some people make in a month. Yeah. Uh, and I make it in a day. Yeah. You know, they live, some people live off $2 a day in third world countries. So you realize, wow, 
I am the top like 1% in the world. Uh-huh. And it just kind of makes you see how other people living and puts your own problems into perspective. And it just makes, I think people more open, more compassionate mm-hmm. because they realize that one, their problems aren't that big. And two, there's, you know, other people with less living a more fulfilling, more happy life. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, makes people think, and, you know, it's a part of living life is experiencing new things, you know? And when you travel, you get that in abundance usually. Yeah. So I think it's essential to people that if you, if you live, you got to travel, like get out of your bubble, go, go on a road trip, even like two or three hours drive away from where people currently live can be totally different. You know, when I go to road trips with Lily, sometimes we travel to like Arizona, Colorado, it's just like maybe eight to 10 hour drive. And it's so different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where we're at, everyone's Asian practically or Hispanic. And then in other parts of the country, it's like, where are the Asians? (laughs) (laughs) And um, especially when we go to different countries, there's, yeah, there's a language barrier. So it's like, ah, this is different. And it's, you know, it's vital. I think everyone should travel and yeah, everyone should get out. Yeah, that's, that's what's so interesting about Morocco at the moment is the amount of people who speak English is so small. Um, and we don't speak French or Arabic at all, like we know a couple of words, but it's so interesting going into places and communicating with people without language. It's, it's a really fun experience. Um, and, yeah, the, the same thing is the perspective yeah. shifts that we've had, seeing how people in a country like this live, yet are still somewhat fulfilled and, and happy is, is it makes you change the way you think about, you know, like you said, your problems. So for sure, I totally agree with you there. And so if people are wanting to follow you, check out some of your amazing pictures, hire you as a photographer or videographer for their business, their wedding, whatever it may be, what's the best way to get in touch and follow you and see what you're all about? Um, well, they can find me on Instagram at Rivas Photo and Film. That's just where I put my portrait work and my photography, like weddings. Um, honestly, my own Instagram is, uh, I don't even remember it. I just, <laughs> I, was, I just, I just do it cause I love to, to, to share my photography, but I'm not necessarily trying to build it. But, uh, Randy Ignacio 714 on Instagram. That's just all my traveling stuff. Mm-hmm. but it's not really a business. Uh, well, not, not the traveling anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Rivas photo and film. Um, that's my Instagram handle and you know, all my portrait work and the link to my website is there. So that's probably the best way to reach me. Awesome. And just for a last question, um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten or what's something that stuck with you that, you just come back to time and time again? Hmm. That's a great question. I'm going to have to think about that one because it's hard to pick just one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, just, uh, uh, I think, I think it's a mindset. It's not necessarily a quote. Um, I think it's this be at the service of others be at the service of others. Yes. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. 
I don't really have a long quote. I think when you're at the service of others and you have the right mindset that you're focused on them and it's not about you, mm-hmm. you take your ego out of the equation and you can help someone else. And, you know, that's where true fulfillment is, is giving back to others. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really, I think that's the big picture. Whatever field you're in, whatever it is, it's really about giving back. Um, and it really helps take away the fear when it's really about giving and helping yes. aside from selling and, you know, doing something yes. else. So whatever I, I do, it's at the service of others. I love that. That's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join me on the podcast. Um, I'm so excited to see what you keep on doing with, with Rivas. Um, you're already doing some amazing things, but it's always cool seeing the evolution of businesses and the evolution of yourself as well. So I'm so excited for your journey. I'll be watching the whole way. And thank you so much, man, for being a friend um, and also just being someone who really is in the service of others. And I know that because I know you and I know that other people will be able to tell that too. So thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for setting this up and thanks for doing what you do. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye.